Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh. This is the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose Live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I am here with Dr. Kirk Elliott, someone we haven't seen on this show in a long time. What's up, Kirk? How we doing, man? I am doing awesome. How are you, Josh? I'm doing well. I'm doing incredibly well. And, you know, the economy doesn't seem to be doing too well. And I'm looking at what's happening here. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, CNBC put out this article today. Gold at $4,000. Analysts share their 2023 outlook as inflation recession fears linger. Dude. Oh, okay. So you look at that number and and that's not a huge stretch. Based on the inflationary pressures, mm-hmm. the lack of supply of, of silver. See, because I think silver is going to do even better than gold, right? right. So. So here, let's use CNBC's numbers, right? Because they're not even uh, they're not even like a gold or silver company, right? They're they're analysts. They're more paper. They're stock market analysts and everything else, right? So let's just use their own math, right? So mm-hmm. if you've got four thousand dollar gold in twenty twenty three, um, it's at it, let's call it eighteen hundred today. So 4,000 minus 1,800, that's 2,200 divided by the original. So that's 122% gain, okay? Some people are like, oh my word, that's that's like extraordinary. Well, you look at what happened to silver in 2011, it went from 12 to $50 that year. Mm-hmm. So when you get imbalances in the economy, it's not unrealistic to see triple digit gains. So seeing that i mean that was like a 400 percent gain this is 122 percent. that's that's not extreme to me given what causes gold and silver to move well it's political instability geopolitical conflict inflationary pressures and unsustainable debt mm-hmm. well good grief we've got all of those right so any one of those would be a catalyst or a spark to cause gold to go through the ceiling but when you've got all four of them acting in, in concert with each other, um, it, this, this number is not outrageous to me. Now, let's take it one step further. Let's look at silver, right? So there's a historical ratio between the price of gold and silver, and that ratio is 20 to 1, which means if you were to take the price of gold, which we'll is call it $1,800 an ounce, Divide it by 20. What does that give us? $90. Is silver $90? No. <laughs> it's like 23 and some change today. So so this tells us at 81 to 1, which is what the ratio is today, that that's at an extraordinarily high ratio when the historical number is 20. So either, okay, I'm going to take people through some some math here, right, yeah. as, as listening and watching. So what that number tells us on the outset is only one of two things either gold is overvalued or silver is undervalued right so what did we just learn about gold well cmb analysts think it's going to go to four thousand obviously gold is not overvalued gold is going to continue to increase and, and grow robustly because of the economic geopolitical social events that are that are facing us today so that tells us the other is true. The converse is true, which is silver is greatly undervalued. So it's going to play some catch up, right? So 
So at 80 to one, which is where it is today, let's say it comes down to 70 to one, 60 to one, 50 to one, gold can still be growing, which means that silver is going to outperform hmm. in, in the short term and in the medium term and possibly in the long term because of strong fundamental forces that guide both of the metals. And when we'll go over all those, because I don't want people just to look at a number and see this, this headline on CNBC and say, oh, gold is going to go to $4,000. Why is it going to, right? This is what you and I answer all the time on the different shows that we do together is, is the why. So the, the political instability, chaos, inflationary pressures on sustainable debt cause gold to move. Silver, on the other hand, um, has all of those same fundamental forces that cause its move, but it's got something extra. That is, it's an industrial metal. It's used right. in all forms of manufacturing, right? And so to this year alone, got to say, Josh, it's probably the slowest, most sluggish global economy that we've seen in the last 40, 50 years, maybe even longer since the Great Depression, right? So even with that, the demand for silver, since it's used in all forms of electronics, is 1.2 billion ounces a year. Total mining production is 2 billion ounces. So even with that, the, the industrial demand for silver in the slowest economy that we've known in multiple generations is still 60% of all the output. Right. That means only, there's only 800 million ounces left for global investors. So silver is in massive short supply. After COVID, you know, there's there's supply chain disruptions as well at the manufacturers, at the mines, every place else. So you've got low supply, supply chain disruptions, extremely high demand, and inflationary pressures. Right. So that's adding to the to the stimulus, the spark that's going to propel silver upward even faster than gold. Right. So so as gold continues to move up, let's say it gets to $3,000 an ounce and the ratio starts to come down and it's 60 to one, not, not 80 to one, right? So even at $3,000 gold divided by 60, that puts silver at 50 bucks, <laughs> right? So, so here's where for a year or so, as I've been talking about silver, I've said it's probably going to hit 75 to 100 before this bull run is over in it. Well, people people a year ago said, Kirk, are you smoking crack? Seriously? 70? Yes. And now there's other economists, whether it's Bix, Weir, Bo Polney, you, you name it. They're, they're calling for 600 to $2,500 an ounce silver because if you think about the manufacturing demand for it, who uses it? electronics manufacturers yep. are sony lg samsung tesla are they going to just say well silver is too expensive we're just going to go out of business and not produce anything anymore no they're not going to do that they're global multinational companies they're just going to pay whatever they need to for the price of silver to keep manufacturing stuff and just pass it on to the tesla. consumer right so so here's where the industrial demand doesn't get any worse than it is right now. It can't. It's the slowest economy we've ever seen globally. And and we're going to go over some numbers to show how incredibly <clears throat> slow it is. But but that just means that the price of silver is going to be propelled forward with fundamental forces that are beyond any investor. It's beyond anything because you've got everything in concert with each other like 
the culmination of a perfect storm. Right. So, so how slow is the global economy? Well, okay. So you have to look at, at gross domestic product numbers to, to understand and realize to all the viewers out there and listeners, some of these numbers are cooked, right? And in, in favor of the government. But we just Most saw that. We literally just saw that with the Bureau of Labor Statistics, where they lied about 1 million jobs back in June and July of 2022, when the actual number from the Philadelphia Fed was 10,000. <laughs> I mean, a, a 90% difference, right? It's like, okay, this, this is insane. So here's, here's the wacky thing. So what is gross domestic product? It's the aggregate sum of all finished goods sold that are manufactured by a, comp a country, right? So the, the key words in there, final price of stuff that's sold. Mm -hmm. So if inflation, even officially, is at 7.1%, that's what the Consumer Price Index tells us that inflation is, well, then gross domestic product should be 7.1%. If it's, if it's this aggregate sum of everything that's, that's finished and sold by a country, okay, so what is gross domestic product? Well, those numbers just came out this week too. 3.2% growth. Inflation's at 7.1. 3.2 is half of that. That means that in reality, the US economy has come down by 50% because it should keep up with inflation, but it's not. It's half of what inflation is. When all the GDP is, is the sum of aggregate sum of all finished goods sold that are produced by our country, right? So this is problematic. Who's lying? Well, I think both of them are lying, but but that we we know that the inflation numbers are bogus because they've been cooked since 1996 when Clinton appointed the Boston Commission to understate inflation. I mean, this is all you can just look in in the history books. Well, you can't look in history books. That's that's uh, actually. We're cutting out major parts of history, but that's beside the point. Look, look at the numbers. Look well, at the the congressional reports and what Clinton did and why he did it. The Boston Commission was appointed to actually understate inflation for political purposes because cost of living adjustments were going up too high, and Clinton wanted to cut government expenditures. So what did he do? Great job, President Clinton. Party of the people, right? Sticking it to the people who voted for you on fixed incomes actually saying we don't want to pay you as much anymore so they understated it through substitution so here here's what's whack about the substitution so so let's just say explain how the mechanisms work because this is all very imperative to people's retirement portfolios and why you have to outpace unofficial inflation because i'm going to tell you what un unofficial inflation truly is right so so let's just say the consumer price index is a basket of 30 goods. Okay. So 30 goods, let's say one of those goods was steak. Love to eat steak, right? So, so, and the price of steak went up 40%. Well, maybe the, the BLS said, uh, that's too much. We can't have that. That's too much inflation. Let's substitute hamburger for steak. But hamburger is 30% less than steak. What did they say happened to the price of steak? Remember, it went up 40%. They would say the price of steak came down 30% because they substitute it for hamburger. But it's a completely different thing that they're measuring. So this is why consumer price index is completely bogus and has been since 1996. So what is the real measure of inflation? Take the CPI number and multiply it times 
Okay. That puts us uh, unofficially then true inflation at over 20%. So if you have that, this is how we know that our economy is cooked because inflationary pressures are ravaging U.S. families and, and global families, actually. So and, and what is inflation? It's actually the printing of money. That's all that inflation is because it takes more of that cheapened currency to buy goods and services. So they're printing money for everything under the sun, stimulus programs, entitlements, um, you know, build back better programs, inflation reduction act, infrastructure bills, raising omnibus, the, omnibus things like the 1.7 trillion that we're hearing about on the news right now, which man, why are they sending a hundred billion dollars or so to Ukraine, right? It's like all this stuff, all this stuff. So that's expensive. And so whether they have money or not, they keep passing these bills which all they have to do is march over to the printing press, press the red button, print this money. Now it's like monopoly money. They're, they're just printing it like there's no tomorrow. That causes inflation because it's too much money chasing too few goods. Mm-hmm. That's what inflation is, right? So so if you have that, then, then how do you slow it down? Well, there's only two ways that the policymakers can slow down inflation. Number one, stop the printing presses. Well, that'll slow down, but they're not going to do that. A congressman and congresswoman are not going to actually allow the printing press to slow down because it's the only thing keeping the economy afloat right now. Right. They don't want the economy to go under on their watch. So the other option is to do what, what Reagan and Volcker did in the early 1980s, and that's jack up interest rates. How high do you have to jack them up to actually make a difference? Higher than the true inflation rate, hmm. right? Because in 1983 interest rates got to 18% on a 30-year mortgage. Why? Because inflation then was 14.3%. So interest rates had to be greater than inflation for it to slow it down. Are policymakers going to jack up interest rates to over 20% right now? Oh, God, no. The answer is a hard no, because that would kill the economy. So the two things that they have to slow down inflation, stop the printing presses, or jack up interest rates greater than 20, both of those are hard no's. They're not going to do it. So they're stuck with this for a while. This is why Chairman Powell, two weeks ago, when they raised rates half a point, said this. He said, well, America, inflation is the biggest problem to facing Americans. Therefore, we've got to kill it. And we're going to keep raising rates until inflation dies. Okay, scratching my beard saying, okay, that statement doesn't make any sense because they're the ones causing inflation by printing money. And they're saying it's a problem. And then they're trying to fix the problem that they created by raising interest rates. See, this they're not going to stop printing money. Therefore, interest rates are going to continue to go up for quite some time. This is the dilemma that policymakers have. It's stagflation on steroids. So let's play this out. How do you fix it then? Complete reset. Hit, hit the start, the restart button, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to do that with central bank digital currency, which you are like one of the world's foremost experts on that topic, right? So so this is what they're trying to bring. If it were just the Fed that's talking about FedNow tokens or, you know, the central bank digital currency, well, then I would say it's an anomaly. It's like, yeah, they're going to try it and it's not going to pass, whatever. But it's 90% of all the central banks globally. This is a global thing that is going to happen, right? So. So as that happens, we have to understand this is a 
this is a mechanism used by governments to just track people. That's it. It's all about people control because it's programmable money that they can shut on, turn off or, or turn on at a whim based on your digital social profile, your spending habits, who you give to, what kind of a religion you're a part of, who you donate to, you know, politically, what church you donate to, what kind of food you eat, where, where you, if you buy ammo or not, it's like if you've been vaxxed, whatever. Your digital social profile is going to be the digital version of you that you can't hide from. It's a complete loss of freedom. So this is all that this is about, right? It has nothing to do with inflation, has nothing to do with fixing the system. It's all about people control. So what do they have to do? We, we, we ask these two, not even rhetorical questions, they're just real questions. Overall, do people in America trust the government? <laughs> if you did a poll, I would say no. This is why you have stupid jokes like, hey, if a politician's mouth is moving, they're lying. Right? Right. It's like they don't trust the government. And do people trust banks? I would say not. They think that they're corporate greedy monsters, right? And they're, they're using usury and they're charging too much interest and they're just making money off of everybody in America. People don't trust banks either. So why in the world would people trust a government appointed central bank to offer their own currency, which is the banking system right. that's digital, that people are still a little bit squeamish about to begin with? Well, they wouldn't. So therefore, how about, but people like Bitcoin, people like Dogecoin, people like Ethereum, people like XRP, people like this stuff, right? So, so but that's decentralized cryptocurrency. There is privacy in that. Blockchain technology is cool. There's privacy in it. But when you centralize it, it's the opposite of privacy. It's complete transparency, complete clarity, because it's all centralized at the central bank level where they've already bragged about programmable money, where they can turn it on and off if they don't like it, right? So, so why, how in the world would somebody trust that? Oh, how about you discredit decentralized cryptocurrency? And, and well, FTX went down. BlockFi went down. Company after company after company in the crypto space is going down. In fact, last year, there were over 3,000 cryptocurrencies that went out of business. So, so this is all coming to the forefront. And yesterday, the, the Central Bank of India's president or head or chief, whatever they call it, basically had a couple of announcements. He said, cryptocurrency is going to be what causes the next market crash. Okay. And he said, what kind of cryptocurrency? He said, private cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. So here they are, the onslaught, the attack against decentralized cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and everybody else. And from the central banking level, they're saying private cryptocurrency, bad. Central bank digital currency, a digital rupee, that's good, right? So this is the messaging that we're going to start hearing. Well, never never let a good crisis go to waste, right? We heard right. that from Clinton's advisors. Well, we, we saw this after 9-11, the institution of the Patriot Act, complete loss of freedoms. We're seeing this, uh, we saw some of that in, in 2009 when, when the subprime lending credit bubble, you know, everything fell apart. So many financial regulations that came that stripped away our financial freedoms and, and the right to free banking, gone. Same thing now, the inflationary pressures, the rising interest rates, the political conflict. What we are going to see is the issuance of, of central banks. This is never let, or uh, central bank digital currency. This has never let a good crisis go to wait moment on steroids, Josh. Yep. 
So, so this is where we are headed politically, economically, socially. I can feel it. And, you know, I'm not making predictions. I'm, I'm just identifying trends that are happening right now and just following them out. Because the, the projections that people have said from the policy-making perspective said March to July of 2023, the new Fed coin, the, the Fed now token, will be a real thing. It's like, oh, my word, we're right there. We're right on the cusp of possibly the worst freedom eliminating act executive order 14067 that biden passed into law in march being implemented in the united states the worst freedom reducing act ever signed by anybody i think hits hits us in in the spring of next year dude so i've done a lot of research on this and, and you know we can we can talk about 1913, 1933, and how, you know, one of the things that I noticed, because a lot of people who have taken, like, the Federal Reserve Act to court, right, saying it was never fully ratified, um, and that's apparently lost in court multiple times. My problem with what happened with the setup of the Federal Reserve, which has basically caused this whole situation, central bank digital currencies are run through a centralized bank in the United States, the Federal Reserve Banks, the 12 banks, we've, we've laid out how this is all going to work. But their jurisdiction comes through the uh, the ordainment through Congress. But the problem is, is Article, I think it's Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution, which grants Congress the ability to coin and print money, does not give Congress the ability to give their authority to a third party. It does not give them the ability to redefine what money is. And we saw that in the 19, uh, 1933, there is a House uh, Joint Resolution 179 where they came out and they redefined money. And they don't have that authority constitutionally to do these types of things. Now, what I really honestly see happening here is that people are going to adopt a parallel system. That people don't want to be a part of this system and they are going to move away from it. And I think Donald Trump actually was signaling this. With the Trump card release, the NFT digital tokens, and the hint towards digital sovereignty, a digital bill of rights, that he was hinting towards that he might run in 2024 on that platform of ending the Fed, uh, of bringing about a decentralized platform for the people. Because if we look at, for everybody out there, centralized digital currencies mean that your, your government is in control of things. And if you've ever looked at how well the government does it, things are not very good at it, except when they're spying on you. On the other side of the coin is if you have decentralized, basically the people within that network that utilize that currency make up that network. They make up the computer power and processing power and memory of that network. They're the ones that are mining it, keeping the blockchain updated. They're the ones that have a say in it. If you had a direct say in your money, you would utilize that. You would you would be doing everything you possibly could with that money to make it more and more valuable over time. And this is the system that we're seeing being set up right now that the globalists are trying to take down. This is a, and we see this parallel economy coming up. Now, one of the things that we've we've actually in the digital sovereignty movement that people are talking about is merging what we call stable coins. And stable coins are pegged towards a a one-to-one uh, -one ratio with the U.S. dollar. The problem is the U.S. dollar is incredibly unstable these days. We're having a massive market sell-off of the dollar. This is going to exasperate in 2023 with the BRICS nations selling off their U.S. debt back onto the market. The federal, the, the, sorry, the Treasury is going out there borrowing money from the Federal Reserve to buy up old debt. I mean, this is taking new debt to buy old debt, right? 
And so this is not a good situation. That's just going to hyperinflate the, the inflationary rate there. But with the CBDC, they're just doing this transitional shift to a system of control with a different system in mind. Is if we took those stable coins and instead pegged them at the price of gold and silver and precious metals, you would see a parallel economy rise up. You'd probably see the BRICS nations adopt them as stabilized coins to basically remedy transactions. And that's what a lot of us are pushing for and a lot of us are actually trying to build out there. And which means that if that does happen, gold and silver obviously ride right up that wave with them. And I think everybody here knows that, especially the guys that are in my crypto stuff and, and we do all this together, that this is happening. And in five years to 10 years, this is going to be a reality. And if we don't fight back now, it's going to be a slave system. But if we do fight back and we do set up this, this parallel economy, this parallel system, and we demand that we have the decentralized cryptocurrencies and we demand that they are backed upon gold and silver, <laughs> we, we can have the world we always dreamed of. Oh, so true. I mean, when if you look back, I don't know how long was it ago, 35, 40 years ago when the euro became a currency, right? Countries in Europe did not want to give up their their national sovereignty economically. So even though the the European Union said, hey, this is going to be our currency, it's a it's a regionally traded currency called the euro. You know, people still had these parallel currencies that they were trading in for a while. Right. So. In German, they were still tra- trading in the in the German mark in Italy, the, in the lira, you know, the, mm-hmm. the French franc, the the Dutch guilder, whatever. They were all, and for a while, they had this done because nobody wanted the new thing, right? Now, five, eight years later, the euro really hit mainstream and it's like it, it became reality. But there's that transition period where you decide, people decide by their actions, is this going to work or is it not? Right. You know, because if, if everyone would have revolted against the euro, it still wouldn't be a currency today. But they ultimately accepted it. You know, and there's gonna, there's this battle of the ages that's going to be waging here. And, and very soon, are people going to give up their freedom in exchange for perceived security? It depends on the messaging, right? Yeah. It's like crisis so bad, inflation, people aren't working, stock markets just collapsing, interest rates are going through the roof. Oh, CBDCs, this will save the day. It's going to make things real easy, right? And blah, blah, blah. I, I can hear it. I can hear it now, the messaging that's going to be coming out. Well, I don't think people are going to buy it. I think once this happens, you, you're right, 100%, 1,000% right. You know, people are going to see that and they're going to realize it's like this buyer's remorse moment. It's like, oh, this isn't what we voted for. We They didn't vote for anything anyways. It was just passed by executive order but or administrative law, right? So... So you look at some of this stuff and people aren't going to like it. They're going to revolt and they're going to say, no, I want a gold backed currency. Mm -hmm. I want anything else other than this. And you're going to have, you know, prophetic scholars look at this and say, this is the mark of the beast, right? The ability to to buy and sell something that tracks everything that you do. I mean, that's what it is. So you're going to have people at all types of of religions, all types of parts of life. You're going to have, the, the libertarians say, there is no way we want limited government. And you're going to have other people say, what? I, I thought, isn't this a violation of my HIPAA laws when they know everything that I do? Right. I mean, yeah. you're going to all of this stuff happen. And it's I, I, I think it's a world. It's this Orwellian future, this brave new world that people don't want. 
but they don't realize that they don't necessarily want it yet until it happens. This is the problem. Right. So, so what do we do, you know, to, to protect and preserve, right. And to actually thrive in, in this world. Well, one of the things there's, there's numerous things that you and I have talked about, right. Private currencies and things of that nature. Gold and silver is, is really good. That's an easy one because it's in existence now and it's right there. And, and um, it's funny. I, I, you and I did a show and it was, I don't know if it was last week's show or two weeks ago. Right? And um, I had talked about how silver had gone up about 30% over mm-hmm. the last 14 to 16 weeks. I got, I got a couple of people that complained at me. say, Kirk, I've been studying silver for like a decade and it, it hasn't done that. It's like, well, I don't know what to say. You're wrong. You're, you're just wrong. It's like, so I started looking back. It's like, okay, in August of this year, August, it's December, yeah. September, October, November, December. That's like 16 weeks. Silver went from $17.97 to $24 an ounce. It's about a 30% gain. It has gone up 30% in 16 weeks. Yep. But we all know that, that 16 weeks does not make a trend. Right. That's, what it, that's what it's been, right? So, so let's look back farther. Let's look back two and a half, three years, right? So, so in May, or I'm sorry, March of 2020, two and a half years ago, silver was $11.91 an ounce. Today it's over 24. So what is that? Or actually, it just dipped below 24. Today it's 23 and some change. But, but how much growth is that? It's about 95%. Yeah. In in two and a half years, that averages 38% a year growth. Most people would say, well. Okay, this isn't the 16 week, you know, move. It's like this is actually a longer term trend. And what is the reason for it? It's the inflationary pressures. It's it's the flight for safety. People are looking for something that's real. It's the supply chain disruptions. It's the low supply. It's the high demand. These are the fundamentals that cause more than just a 16 week trend. This is a two and a half year cycle so far. And it's and all the fundamentals that are causing its growth are moving up. Why is that happening? Because stupid government policy that that's putting you know having people not work which is the supply chain disruptions the inflationary pressures which is the fed printing money like there's no tomorrow right it's it's the the unrelenting demand for silver from the electronic side and it's it's a short squeeze right so so you've got bank of america and jp morgan chase that are that are issuing these unrelenting naked shorts on silver right to keep driving it down so they can buy it at the lower prices so they can fulfill the demand for the silver etf right so right. so this game has been going on forever they get caught they get a 900 million dollar fine and then it's like they just a slap on the hand to them that amount so but this is where wall street bets and reddit guys said no way this ain't gonna happen we're, we're sick and tired of investors not getting everything out of it that they should well it's not that it's been bad good grief it's it's gone up 95 plus percent in two and a half years it's not like that's a bad return but imagine what it could be without the manipulation in the markets it should be off the charts this is why transparency in the system and a short squeeze and and gobbling up all of the physical supply is actually going to drive the price through the roof right so so what kind of supply chain disruptions do we actually have so i just read a report yesterday Mm -hmm. Comex deliverable inventories of silver are at a 22-year low. 22 years. 
And Andy Schechtman about two months ago did did some research and said at the current drawdown rates of silver, the people buying it, plus the and added that to the input from refineries into the COMEX deliverable registered inventories, silver runs out globally in five months. We're seeing that as a as a dealer in the industry when we call in trades every single day. Yeah. You know, the thousand ounce bars, which are the ones that manufacturers buy they, they, when they because they're melting it down. They're not buying one ounce coins or 10 ounce coins. They're buying thousand ounce bars. There's a very becoming limited supply of the thousand ounce bars where the weights is, is a weight range from like 920 ounces to like a thousand eighty. Well, right now, very I mean, I would say right now that the weight range is maybe nine hundred and sixty to a thousand. Right. It's it's the the outsides of that bell curve are gone that's right. only a small limited number left which tells us that available inventories are drying up and demand is going through the roof that's economics 101 josh low supply high demand prices go up so in a world where people are stricken with fear and and they don't know what to do because their retirements are eroding and they don't know what to do. And and it's like, I, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand like an ostrich in a windstorm, right? It's like, oh, we'll wait for the storm to blow over and then I'll pop my head back up. If you do that and you don't change when the economy around you changes, you will sink with the ship. However, fear causes that action. Fear causes two things. Either stick your head in the sand and do nothing and hope it just goes away. Or it causes you to make the wrong decision. It's like, man, we we are not created with a spirit of fear. We're created with wisdom and discernment and sound mind, right? And we, when we can identify these trends and act accordingly, we can thrive. Yeah. But you, you can't let that spirit of fear, is what I'm calling it, control your life. You have to kick it in the butt where it belongs, get rid of it, and operate with that wisdom, discernment, and confidence, knowing that fundamentals always drive markets to, to where they should go. The fundamentals of the markets right now, every investment that we have is either going to grow or shrink because of policies coming out of D.C. Stock market was great during the Trump and Reagan years when you had lowering taxes, lowering interest rates and creating jobs. <laughs> that's what, yeah. that's what the stock market booms. But when you have the opposite, you have rising taxes to slow down inflation that they're or rising taxes, rising interest rates to slow down inflation that they're creating by printing money out of thin air and paying people to stay home. It's opposite. So you can have an opposite outcome. This is where I look at this stuff real logically, like you do. It's like, okay, let's try to strip the emotion out of the decision, mm -hmm. operate with logic. Logic tells us low supply, high demand, political forces, economic forces, social forces, all causing this move. Let's allocate into it. And that's what we're doing. And this is how we can be in the right place at the right time. The majority of the time, put a smile on people's face because they know that we are doing everything that we can do. When I say we, I'm talking about us partnering with, with clients and yeah. their investments to be in the right place at the right time. That's what we need to do to survive. In addition to thinking outside the box, do what you are talking about, something like what, and what Trump is talking about with his NFT Trump token, right? Yeah. It's like alternative things will emerge to actually replace a broken system. And that's what we're seeing right now in front of us. So there's a few things I want to ask about. Firstly is the over-leveraging of paper silver. And you're talking about the short squeeze on silver. But the over-leveraging, I think we're over-leveraged like 140 or 160%. This means that those big financial institutions are 
selling more paper, silver, paper, silver, like SLV, SIL, uh, SLIVR, these types of things than they actually have in their vaults. And I want people to understand that, like, yeah, you know what? I'll just go out there tomorrow and I'll buy some uh, some SLV and I'll be okay. Uh, that when this actually happens, those things are not going to pay you out. There's going to be problems with it. Can, can you explain that? Yeah. So, so people can look this up, right? I, I never want people to take my word for anything. It's like everything I talk about is is factual, and you can look it up. So, if you go to usdebtclock.org, for example, um, you can see the paper to silver ratio today, which that means the number of, of contracts that are out there for paper silver, um, you know, it, it, for to be stable, it should be one to one, right? Mm -hmm. The number of paper contracts equals the number of physical delivery silver, just in case those contracts expire and somebody needs to take delivery of them, it's there. Well, right now, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't even believe this, this crazy number. I it's just saw it, yeah. 462.35 to one. That means there's 462 ounces of paper fake silver for every one ounce of deliverable silver. That's bogus. Wow. Gold's pretty bad too. That's yeah. 117 to one. But but as you look at the if you as you look at silver, that just tells you how over leveraged it is and how it doesn't take too much of a move for, for those short contracts to require physical delivery on the flip side to cause that market to absolutely go through the roof. And that's because paper is not silver, right? So paper is yeah. paper. If you want to invest in silver, don't invest in paper. If you want to invest in paper, then don't invest in silver, right? It's like you you have to buy 1,000-ounce bars, 100-ounce bars, 10-ounce bars, 1-ounce rounds, gold bars, right? If you're, if you're investing in precious metals, invest in the real, physical, tangible thing because there's safety in that. Right, your your traditional advisor will say, uh, "Gold and silver that that's that's risky, right? It's very yeah. volatile." I mean, you hear that kind of junk all the time, <laughs> right? But but it, but it's not true. It's like okay, when was the these these are not rhetorical questions; these are real questions that that everybody listening should answer. You say it out loud if you're <laughs> you're so inclined. It's like when was the last time real estate went to zero? Never. Right. How about how about oil or gas? never how about a you how about a car right when was the last time you went to a car dealer and, and they said ah, we're giving them away it's free never uh gold or silver never been zero because they're things they're tangible things things never go to zero when was the last time a company went to zero uh ftx <laughs> right. um block enron i mean you name it countless companies all go to zero if they go bankrupt, right? So so here's the thing. Gold and silver are the safest assets in the world because they're they're a cash-based investment. You don't have to leverage them. You don't have to borrow to buy them like you would a house, mm -hmm. right? This house is a tangible physical thing. It doesn't go to zero, but you have to finance it because nobody really pays cash for houses, right? Well, boy, this is a problem when banks are running out of liquidity and interest rates are going through the roof. People can't afford it and banks are reluctant to lend. So therefore the housing prices are gonna have to come down to make it more affordable because people can't qualify for them. That doesn't happen with tangible assets like gold and silver because they're they're cash-based. 
you 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 don't borrow to to get it. It's not something that's done on margin generally. Like I would never recommend that um, because you're also going to get a margin call, right? You don't want to leverage things. It's just a dollar for dollar investment. So so this is where in a world where people are are running for something that's safe and something that's real, gold and silver offer the best safest option available today to any investor, any investor. And and it's not that I'm saying it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not. It's the greatest thing for right now. At some point down the road, silver hits its peak. We lock in our profits. We probably roll into gold. At some point down the road, gold hits its peak. Well, then what? Well, maybe we could go into some crypto investments. Maybe we go back into the stock market. Maybe if you're advanced in years and you're in your retirement years, well, what if interest rates are 20%? Well, go into a 30-year bond and have it pay you 20% for the rest of your life, right? right. There's there's stuff that we can do in, in any economy to not just survive, but thrive and reduce your risk and, and maximize your returns. So I, I wanted to touch on the paper thing real quick. If everybody remembers back like the Alex Jones uh, show in early 2000s, there was a guy, he's still out there by the name of Gerald Salente. And he was selling gold and silver, selling gold and silver. But what he was doing is he was taking his own money and investing it with the Lehman Brothers in paper silver and paper gold. And when they collapsed, he lost millions upon millions of dollars worth of gold and silver because he had it all in paper. And he didn't even take his own advice. And so I just want to preface that, that, you know, you want the legit bullion. And so, Kirk... How how is it different with what you guys do? Can can you explain everybody kind of what your firm does? Yeah, so so not all gold is created equal. Yeah, paper gold, those contracts like what Salente did, that's not gold or silver. It's a piece of paper, right? So what we deal with is physical bullion coins. Now you'll see a lot of commercials on TV or on radio or whatever for for like all these historical coins, shipwrecked coins, high premium collectibles, whatever. I, I wouldn't touch those with a bajillion foot pole. Right. Because I've in 27 years of doing this, I've never seen an investor that actually recovers that premium. Right. The key to wealth is maximize your ounces by minimizing your cost. Get those ounces working for you as, as gold and silver go up. It's a dollar, you know, one to one relationship. That's what bullion does. There's no inflated commissions, no inflated premiums for rarity and scarcity and population or whatever. Right. So so what we do is is we'll operate as a transactional broker, right? Well, which to me, that that's like the necessary evil. It, you have to buy to get into a trend, you sell to get out of one, but we're a very relationship-oriented company. So we thrive on that area in between those transactions. We'll hold the client's hands through the economy and we operate as as an advisor, as a consultant, as as a wealth coach, right? Where, mm -hmm. where we'll let you know when it's time to buy, sell, reallocate, get out of Dodge, do whatever needs to be done. Because we don't expect you to watch the markets like a hawk and understand them. That's what we do, right? So so hopefully over time, your financial stress and that anxiety starts to melt away because you know that you're doing what we do because we educate our clients. Every single week, I send out a video email to all of my clients, letting them know what I see politically, economically, socially, what you should be careful of, what you should be joyful about. And I'm doing countless shows like this one now where, where you can hear my heart and what we're doing and why we're doing it, right? Because once you understand the why, your financial anxiety will melt off, right? right? So being in the right place at the right time is half the equation. Understanding why you do it is the other half. Because if you don't, you're going to have financial 
anxiety and not be at peace, right? We want all of that working in concert with each other. So it's a holistic approach to investing. And that's what we do for our clients. Okay, guys, I'm putting the uh, the links right here in all the chats. So if you guys want to get a hold of Dr. Kirk Elliott's team, that's all right there. It, it, the easiest website is, it's easy to remember, getgoldtoday.com. That's going to take you right to our page with Dr. Kirk Elliott, 720-605-3900. You can call that number right now and leave a voicemail, leave your information. They'll get back to you tomorrow. They got an highly professional team. They're, it's a free consultation. Nothing to worry about. They're going to take really good care of you or they're going to tell you there's nothing they can do for you. And that's very rare that that happens, but sometimes that's just the situation you're in. You're probably already set up, right? Uh, so Kirk, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. I'm going to see you next right. Wednesday. I'm going to talk to you here this Monday and uh, you have a great holiday, my friend. Sounds good, brother. We'll see ya. All right, guys, we'll be right back with more Daily Dose right after this. The global financial system is on the verge of collapse. Here in the United States of America, we have rising inflation, rising cost of goods and services from gas to food. We have supply chain disruptions, and we have the incompetent presidency of the United States of America running the U.S. dollar into the ground by debasing it, by radicalized spending and printing. There is only one thing in this world right now that is a worthy investment that has been the hedge for inflation year after year. Guys, that's gold and silver. Look, I invest in gold and silver, and there's no reason why you should not either. My buddy, Dr. Kirk Elliott, is an economist and financial advisor, and he is amazing at what he does by helping you get your 401ks, your IRAs, or just helping you purchase gold and silver bullion. You can give him a call at 720-605-3900, or go to getgoldtoday.com and let him know that Josh from the Red Pill Project sent you. All right, we are back with the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. This is where we bring you the unfolding global conspiracy of communism coming to America, of the Great Reset, of Agenda 2030, Agenda 2050, of the socialist communist takeover infiltration of our, our, our system. I mean, of everything, of our way of life, of our culture, of our society, of our family. And this show is titled The Multi-Domain Battlefield because or multi-domain warfare, because that's truly what we have going on right now, is multi-domain warfare. And that was Dr. Kirk Elliott, and he was talking about the aspect of economic warfare that we're seeing, and, and ways to protect yourself in the midst of this economic warfare that we're seeing. Now, I, for me, I, I kind of like, I, I like to visualize things. I like to put things out there, right? Like, I can't just I got to see things. And so I've kind of developed something and I want to show this to you guys, but I got to do it correctly. I got to, there we go. I think that that'll actually work. And I'm going to go like this. I'm going to go like that. I'm going to save it like this. I'm going to download that. And I just had to pull this picture out. It's something that I created, but it, but it gives you an idea of what we're talking about here. Okay. This is something that I created. It's just a little, very easy graph, okay? And what you see is you see blue and red and white. Red, white, and blue, right? And so at the bottom, you have the foundational domains that we're talking about here. These foundational domains are social, cultural, institutional, political, academic. Above that, you have the things that those domains support. Supply chain, infrastructures, policy, and law. 
Above that, you have these super domains. You have economic, environmental, and geopolitical. Now, this is a house of cards because if the social, the cultural, the institutional, the political, and the academic collapse or fail, the other ones immediately collapse and fail with it. But one thing that you'll notice is that around all of it is you have this white domain called information because information dominates every single one of those domains individually and together as a bunch. Someone asks, where is financial, right? We have economic right there. So I have economic, I put financial into economic. We can look at individualized financial. I put economic and financial together. But this is the kind of way that we have to look at the world right now. This is a multi-domain warfare. And what we mean by the multi-domains is these are the domains in our world right now that are under attack. Now, here's the beautiful thing. We control the white, the patriots, you and me. We are the media. We control the white domain. That information domain we control. We are winning that battle. We, this is why the FBI is spying on you. This is why the government's coming after misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda of what they determine to be. It's because we're winning that domain. The blue domain, social and political. We're taking over. That's where the battles are at right now. We, we are... We are lined up right now on this social and political domain and battling it head to head. We're coming back on the cultural domain right now. We haven't even started on the academic, the institutional. And then what Dr. Kirk Elliott was just talking about there is the economic, or sorry, the political, but the economic, the supply chain and infrastructure. We're not even there yet. But we are fighting back and we are taking over various aspects of control in this multi-domain world that we live in. And it's important to have these visual cues to see this because it brings out the understanding of what we're talking about here. And so I go back to what I call the firestorm event, right? What's the firestorm event? Social, cultural, institutional, political, and academic destabilization. That's the foundation, right? Then you see an attack on supply chain, infrastructure, and then a change of laws and policy. That massively destabilizes these ones as well. As these are destabilized, these become basically collapsing. And then along with that, you have the geopolitical environment. This is your, your whole worldwide political environment, the geopolitical aspect. Your environmental aspect, this is the environment that we live within and then the economic. So that's the firestorm event. That's why they're red. But this is what we're living through right now. This could also be called in the, in the TV show, The Peripheral, as a jackpot. This is what we're living through. We're living through the firestorm event that is happening, occurring right now. And this is what I've been talking about for years. That people, we need, we need to wake up. We need to realize this. So it, it's important to prepare yourself. That's why I had Kirk Elliott on tonight, Dr. Kirk Elliott. Uh, because it is important to prepare yourself. If you can buy one ounce a month, okay. If you can buy, you know, you can transfer over that IRA or start a new IRA or, you know, get that 401k, figure out how to do it and get it over there. Do it. Get yourself prepared. I can't give you financial advice, but you can talk to his team and they can help you make a good decision that's going to be best for you financially and secure yourself truly. And I'm selling a house right now. The majority of the proceeds from that house I'm putting into various types of investments, and one of those is gold and silver. 
Why? Because it's stable. It's going to gain over time. It's not volatile like they want you to believe. It's not going to decrease in price anytime soon, especially with the way the economy is. So I wanted to put that out there. And then, oh, no, not what I wanted to happen. Oh, okay. Went, went Mark my word. No, Rand, not yet. I'm not ready for you, Rand. But then I was, I was kind of talking about this earlier, is the market got hit massively today, right? And this is because of the storm, and this is because of obviously the omnibus bill and everything that's coming through. You know, down, you know, it rebounded a little bit, but you know, down a third of a percent basically across the board. And then I was talking about this gold at $4,000. This is CNBC. Analysts are saying that the 2023 outlook as inflation and recession fears linger. It's no longer that recession fears linger, it's freaking here. It's here, it's already there. You gotta remember, if you go back to 2022 and you go back to midsummer, they came out, remember they changed the definition of recession. And they said, well, we can tell you we're not in a recession right now because the Bureau of Labor Statistics just came out and said we created 1 million, 1 million new jobs. And so we can't be in a recession. But then we find out just last week that they lied, that the Philadelphia Fed goes out there, checks the numbers and says, no, they only created 10,000 jobs. But Joe, Joe is still freaking talking about this. Government is systematically going to lie to you over and over and over again. And you know what? There are certain people out there that are telling you the truth. There are people out there that are warning you. I, I hope that you look at me as one of you, as one of those that are out there trying to show you what's happening in the world, trying to, to warn you to what's going on in the world. Uh, and I'm going to show you another guy right here because, you know, I, I used to follow this guy's father. But this is Rand Paul saying exactly what we were saying. We said this months ago. We thought it was going to happen at the end of September, but now it's happening at the end of December. Check this out. It's December 16th, December 18th. This today is Tuesday. Mark my words, December 16th, December 18th. This today is Tuesday, December 20th. We're going to get a 3,000-page bill. The text of the bill, which is more than 4,000 pages long. That will have been given to us an hour or two before. I know because this is the way it works every year. It just unveiled a few hours ago, as a matter of fact. No one will read it. No one will know what it in. But what is a guarantee is that it'll add over a trillion dollars in debt next year. We're on a new $1.7 trillion spending bill. The system is not working. We are not obeying the rules. And that's the truth, Rand. Rand called it. He said they're going to come out with this omnibus bill. They're going to do it. And guess what happened today? 18 Republican senators joined the Democrats in passing the massive spending bill. This clown, this clown right here, they, they're not here to support you. They're not here to defend your rights, your freedoms, and liberties. They're here to kill America, destroy America. That's Mitch McConnell, okay? They passed that bill today, this atrocious bill that changes the Electoral College. Remember that. This is one thing that nobody's talking about. It changes... The Electoral Voters Act. Basically, the vice president has no say whatsoever anymore to contest an election. That if Congress wants to do it, you need more of a majority. I believe it's two-thirds majority. Who do we have here? Todd Young of Indiana, Roger Wicker, Mississippi, Jonathan Thune of South Dakota, Richard Shelby, Alabama, Mike Rounds of South Dakota, Mitt Romney of Utah, Rob Portman of Ohio, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Jerry Moran of Kansas, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, 
Uh, Jim Inaho of Oklahoma, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Tom Cotton, piece of shit, of Arkansas, John Corn of Texas, Susan Collins of Maine, Sherry Moore Capito of West Virginia, John Boozman of Arkansas, and Roy Blunt of Missouri. These guys voted against their constituents, against what you and me have told them not to vote for. You know, I've been thinking more and more that we need some type of system in place to where citizens can go in and they're already pre-registered in their various districts and they can just click a button and they can send a pre-written message or they can write their own message directly to their senators and congressmen and it gets sent immediately. Not only that is they can take polls on there and those polls get sent to their congressmen to inform their, their congressmen what their constituents are actually thinking and what the majority of their constituents are actually um, contemplating and, and voting towards. Because our representatives no longer represent us, okay? They represent corporations. They represent the lobby. They represent foreign interests. This is why Ukraine is getting over $100 billion. This is why Pakistan, Pakistan is getting $100 million for, for, for this gender, gender reassignment education center for trans education. It's absolutely absurd. And it's this radicalized spending. They, You know what they did with this 4,100-page bill? Is they put it absolutely as much stuff as they could possibly put in there. And they did it because they don't care about this country, but they want to bankrupt this country. That's why they did it. And you know what? It doesn't matter that we have... Trump MAGA Republicans coming in because in two years, it's going to be the same thing over again unless we go in there and start limiting these people on their various powers is that Congress shall not have a budget unless that budget is clear of pork and balance, period, done, that's it. Reconcile all previous debts before a new budget is brought about or you have no money, right? Redo the processing of how various governmental budgets are done. One of the biggest problems in the government in the sense of budgets is they are designed specifically to inflate those budgets. To where if you have a department in the DOD that has, let's say, a a million dollar budget a year. And one year they spend $900,000. Next year their budget's going to be $900,000, not that million. So what they do is they continuously overspend their budgets to continuously get more and more budgetary uh, uh, loosening, their budget loosened the next year, and they get $1.1 million, and then they'll get $1.2 million, and $1.3 million, because they continuously overspend that budget. This, this is a big scam. This is how the bureaucracy is built. And what needs to happen is that there's got to be certain protections in there. That if you have a million dollar budget, is that that budget's reviewed by the government, uh, the, the GAO, the GAO, right? The Government Accountability Office. Then they come in there and they look, okay, well, where's all this money being spent? Where's all your receipts? Okay, well, we saw that you actually had 98% of actuality spending. We're projecting a 3% increase in spending next year. Here's your new budget. That's how this should be done. That's exactly how this should be done. But it's not. You you got some Joe Schmo. I will tell you right now how it works with the DOD. 
is you get some second class petty officer that comes into a, a new department and they go, hey, here's our financials, here's our budgetary constraints, make sure that we spend all this money and, and order some extra stuff so it goes over budget next year and then send these reports over to this person over there, the comptroller. That's exactly how it works because I was that guy at the Washington Navy Yard. Literally, I was that guy. I blew my knee out. They put me on a desk job and that's what I did. That's how I know exactly what they do. They were buying $3,000 steel reinforced chairs for overweight 400 pound police officers who couldn't walk, let alone run. This is wasteful government spending. This $1.7 trillion is not only wasteful government spending, it is fraud. It's embezzlement. It is a crime against you, me, and every single American out there. And if we allow them to continue to keep doing this, we will not have a country left. That's the truth. But it seems North Korea is doing well. North Korea hackers stole over $1 billion from Seoul, Korea. They've stolen about $1.5 trillion uh, worth of cryptocurrency and other virtual assets in recent years. Uh, Pyongyang's stockpile foreign currency, South Korea's top spy agency, has claimed the thefts occurred over a five-year period and have accelerated this year with about half of the assets being stolen in 2022. <laughs> Kim Jong-un is like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to steal all your money. Okay. Stanford University runs damage control after featuring America, American in harmful language. They also banned the word grandpa. Well, interesting. Stanford University is scrambling to respond to backlash following reports that the inter internal guide for removing harmful language from the school's online materials, including the term American, seeking to eliminate many forms of harmful language, including racist, violent, and biased language in Stanford's website and code. The guide labeled the term American as imprecise, given it refers to people of the United States only, thereby insinuating that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. It is the most important country in the Americas. I mean, you don't have to be a freaking genius to see that. It's got the largest, the strongest, and the most developed military. It's the most technologically advanced. It has the strongest and largest economy in the northern and southern hemisphere. Yeah, absolutely it is the most important country. But it's not nationalism that we're spouting here when we call each other Americans. It's pride. The term American is common shorthand for people of the United States and stands no other country in the Western Hemisphere frequently uses it as an identifier. Now Stanford has asserted that the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative, under which the direct fell, did not represent the mandatory policy, but was merely part of an internal document intended for discussion between members of the school's IT department. Of course, you know, oh, well, you know, uh, it's like PayPal. That wasn't supposed to be released. That was that was internal. We were going to we were going to keep that here. And uh, oh, man, oh, I got released. Like PayPal, like, oh, we weren't going to fine our customers $2,500 because of their social media posts. We, we thought about it. Someone proposed. I don't know how that got put into our end user agreement. I mean, <laughs> they lie. They don't care about you. They make these things. And then when they have the outrage from the public, oh, we're so sorry. And then three months later after the outrage, they will just shut it off. They'll just come back out and uh, do it all over again. Oh. One second. Okay. But what else are these academic institutions teaching? Science, the new climate curriculum, prioritizes emotion 
over rational thinking. Huh? Passion governs, and she never governs wisely, warned ben- Benjamin, Franklin in 17- Benjamin Franklin in 1775. This apparently has been forgotten so thoroughly, in fact, that now emotion is sometimes prescribed as a governing factor in the most obvious- obviously objective of realms, science. Just consider the Washington State Department of Health's climate curriculum, which counsels teachers to emphasize emotions over rational thinking. The appeal is in climate change and pregnancy, the second phase of the five-part curriculum, which purports to aid students in learning the intersections of biological, societal, and environmental issues. The curriculum reads, as teachers and students consider the impacts of climate change, we should be mindful of the emotional dimensions of the human experience for far too long. Science and science education is prioritized my rational thinking. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's empirical data. As we delve more deeply into the impacts of climate change using the data from the Washington Tracking Network and the practices of the Next Generation Science Standards, we must learn to pay attention to our own emotions and those of others. You know what I say to that? Fuck your emotions. You know, that, that's what people should respond back to them with saying. Fuck your emotions. Emotions don't make good science. They don't. They never have. But listen, I mean, this is, okay. I put out theories not based upon emotions. I put out theories based upon logic, rationalism, right? I saw this article today, and it was sent over to me as well. And and I'm just going to read the headline for you. I'm going to give you my thoughts on this. Unprecedented Christmas weather origin. Harp to bounce signals off of asteroid on December 27, 2022, a new NASA experiment to prepare for globally anticipated 2029 encounter with asteroid Apophis. Here's the reason why the U.S. weather is so nasty right now. <clears throat> they are heating up the Harp machines for a space experiment. The high-frequency active auroral research pro- program technology is about to be used on December 27th by NASA to decipher the interior of an asteroid. The experiment is going to bounce radio signals off an asteroid on December 27th will serve as a test for probing a large asteroid that in 2029 will pass closer to Earth than any geostationary satellites that orbit our planet. The high-frequency active auroral research program research site in Gakona will transmit radio signals to an asteroid 2010 XC15, which could be about 500 feet across. The University of New Mexico Long Wavelength Array near Socorro, New Mexico, and the Owens Valley Radio Observatory Long Wavelength Array near Bishop, California will receive the signal. What's new and what we are trying to do is probe asteroids' interiors with long wavelength radars and radio telescopes from the ground. <clears throat> um, the pro- uh, Longer wavelengths can penetrate the interior of an object much better than radio wavelengths for use in communications because of shorter wavelengths. Knowing more about an asteroid's interior, especially an asteroid large enough to cause major damage on Earth, is important in determining how to defend against it. If you know the distribution of mass, you can make an impactor more effective because you'll know where to hit the asteroid uh, better. Many programs exist to detect asteroids. Okay, those radar imaging programs use signals of short wavelengths which bounce off the surface and provide high-quality external images but don't penetrate the object. HARP will transmit a continually chirping signal to asteroid 2010 XC15 at slightly above the and below the 9.6 megahertz, 9.6 million times per second. The chirp will repeat at two-second intervals. Distance will be a challenge. 
uh, said, Haynes said, because the asteroid will have, be twice as far uh, from Earth as the moon is. The University of Alaska Fairbanks operates HARP under the agreement with the Air Force, which developed and owned HARP, but transferred the research instruments to the United States Air Force in August 2015. The test on 2010 XC-15 is yet another step towards globally anticipated 2029 encounter with the asteroid Apophis. It follows a test in January and October in which the moon was the target for the HARP signal bounce. Um, in the video from Hungary, catching the moon signal bounce, you can see it right there. There's the uh, 9.59 gigahertz or megahertz. Apophis was discovered in 2004 and will make its closest approach to Earth on April 13th, 2029, when it comes within 20,000 miles. Ge- geostationary satellites orbit Earth at about 23,000 miles. The asteroid, which NASA estimated to be about 1,100 feet across, was initially thought to pose a risk to Earth in 2068, but its orbit has since been better projected by researchers. The test on 2010 XC-15 and other 2029 Apophis encou- encounter are a general interest to scientists who study near-Earth objects, but planetary defense is also a key driver of the research. NASA says an automobile-sized asteroid hits Earth atmosphere about once a year, creating a fireball and burning up before reaching the surface. But every 2,000 years, a meteorite the size of a football field hits the Earth. This can cause a lot of damage. And as a wiping out of civilization, NASA says an object large enough to do that strikes the planet once every few million years. NASA's first successfully redirected an asteroid in September 26, and they're planning on doing again the dark collision. Anyways, it didn't tell me when they started ramping up HARP. But if they started ramping up HARP a few days ago, now HARP is sending what out there? It's sending electromagnetic radiation, okay, into space. Very, very short wavelength electromagnetic radiation. Well, we have this Arctic blast that's going on, right? Arctic blast Elliot threatens to destroy U.S. winter wheat crops while plunging the Midwest and the South in the deep freeze. Okay, well, obviously it's going to affect the supply chain. Do you remember this? The sun released a massive shockwave that ripped a hole open in the Earth's magnetic field. Don't you find that coincidental? That at the same time that the sun released a massive shockwave that ripped a hole in the Earth's magnetic field, that they're launching off HARP. Hmm. I don't know about you, but that seems a little odd. That all of these things coincided with each other. The earthquake in California. The winter storm that is reaching all the way into Florida and Texas. Arctic chill. The hole in the Earth's magnetic field. The ramping up of harp. Something else is going on here. I think it deserves more investigation. So we're going to check into that and see what's really going on. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to research that more and look into it. Uh, Let's go into some COVID-19 news right here. Breaking Florida Supreme Court approves Ron DeSantis' grand jury to investigate mRNA COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers. Um, This is good. I think that this is a great step forward, and I hope that other states actually follow suit. I don't care what you think of Ron DeSantis, but I'm waiting to see what the, the actual investigation comes up with and what they find. Hopefully, they find exactly what we've been saying, and they start prosecuting some people. Cloud servers are running out of space as experts warn of global data shortage. This means that the cost that you're paying right now per month for your data storage is about to skyrocket. Yes, that's correct. What I would do if I were you is I would go out there and I would buy a 10 terabyte drive and back all of your shit up on it. 
If you got anything on Google Drive, Apple Drive, whatever, I would start backing it up on your own drives because the price of that stuff is about to skyrocket. Uh, LifeSite reported that ultra-processed fake food is the next step in the globalist plan to destroy health. I'm looking at this as well. My, my health has been kind of in the dumps because of a lot of stress and moving and all this stuff. And I'm looking at a, a primarily carnivore, kind of like a paleo diet, but primarily carnivore with a lot of fermented foods um, and, and kind of just that type of diet. And I'm going to see how that poses for me. I typically do really well on the keto-type diets. But you have to eat real food. And once you get like aligned with this processed food, it becomes incredibly addictive and it's really hard to get out of. And then you start drinking whiskey. I don't know. Whiskey's the least natural, right? <laughs> I look at whiskey as a fermented food. Uh, Carrie Lake bombshell audit reveals 42.5% of ballots randomly sampled were illegal ballots. Now, actually not illegal, but invalid ballots. And this was later clarified, uh, but they were invalid ballots. And basically they're asking is if these ballots counted and no one could ask that question. So, um, it ended today. We're going to hear hopefully deliberations on this soon and find out what the result. My theory is. I don't think it's going to be overturned. I don't really know. Um, I don't know the judge too well to understand where he's going to go with this. But my prayers are going out with Carrie Lake and their team because if they're able to turn this around, if they're able to show, um, improve this, which I think that they did with this case, then this judge has no, no choice but at a minimum have a new election in Maricopa County. And this is some of it. Rich Barris testifies that the early voters completed their exit poll at a rate of 93% versus only 72% of election day voters. Let's listen to what he has to say. Of it, there's no the bottom line here is that those who said they would cast their vote by mail or drop their ballot off by mail completed their questionnaire at a 93% rate. There are always going to be people who tell you that they're going to, they're going to participate in your poll, but then don't, especially in exit polls. The rate for election day voters were, was only 72%. So that doesn't, I, I can tell you that it's never happened to me before, ever. And why is that significant? It's significant because, you know, looking at, you know, we can go through it a lot more in depth, but looking at all the totality of it, there's no explanation for why these voters simply did not come back. They didn't cast their ballot. There's always going to be a difference, but the difference here is almost 20 points. It's roughly 20 percentage points. The bottom line here, and there you have it. And this is just showing fraud. That Maricopa County has lied to their, their constituents, to the voters. What else do we have here? It's your testament to the printer set change. This is a good one. Let's check this out. This so is it your testimony that the printer set changes that gave rise to the so called shrink the fit uh, issue, was that done on election day? That's correct. That is so damning because yesterday the expert testified that that change could have only have happened in the, the election management system, the EMS, and that it would have to have been administrative change because it's not done through software. And he's saying that it happened on election day. And this happened in primarily over 128 election locations with 93% of them in Republican. If that's not evidence of fraud, I don't know what is. But, you know, liberals will say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. It's all bullshit. And yeah. So 
we're going to see something come of this. And, and I'll tell you, if the judge rules against Kerry Lake, is you're probably going to see an uprising in Arizona. You're probably going to see people standing up and saying, no, we're not taking it, guys. Sorry. We're done with this crap. Uh, panic has now spread across social media following a new FDA study linking COVID jabs to blood clots. We've been telling everybody this for a very long time. I mean, it's we don't need a new study. Entitled Surveillance of COVID-19 Vaccine Safety Among Elderly Persons Aged 65 Years and Older, the FDA study, as it's currently trending on social media, highlights the fact that COVID injections cause blood clotting in older individuals. You know, Alex Jones in February of 2020 released an article about the autopsy of an 83-year-old man who was double vaccinated, who died of COVID and had severe blood clots. Yeah, it's, it's old news to us, but this is an actual new study that just came out. And this is the problem, is that people who are vaccinated are now seeing this and going, oh no, oops, sorry, my bad. And then right at the same time, you have the WHO declares a war on the unvaccinated people, likens them to murderers by calling them a major killing force globally. Um, yep. And so see if the, I thought the clip was here. Uh, the clip isn't here. There's a clip out there featuring the infamous Dr. Peter Hotez declaring that anti-vaccine activism and anti-science aggression um, that those who refuse COVID vaccine specifically are the most certain to be far right politically. Um, a cringeworthy as these statements are, Hotez really went off the rails when he categorized the unvaccinated as a major killing force globally. And look, guys, remember what I tell you, they're laying the precedent for future action. When, when this doctor, the W World Health Organization comes out and says that the unvaccinated are a major killing force globally. At the same time, the World Health Organization wants to be able to take over medical protocols globally in the advent of a pandemic and they want governments to sign over their sovereignty for that and this guy's coming out there saying that the unvaccinated are a killing force what do you think they're going to do to the unvaccinated they're going to throw them in the concentration camps that's what they're setting the precedence for they're telling you exactly what they're going to do uh, we already looked at that one tom rents a uh, good buddy of mine i've seen these documents i he showed me these these pictures uh he says, hey, Fauci, do you want to explain this perjury? Jail, looking forward to seeing what truth we find in the EcoHealth case in New York. Accountability is coming. And he posted just one of many of these documents. This document is a defense advanced research project from the, the DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. And it says, SARS-CoV-2 is an American-created recombinant bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by EcoHealth Alliance Program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and suggested by the report surrounding the lab test hypothesis. And so there's, obviously there's going to be a summary briefing that goes along with this document. We don't have the full document. I know Tom Rents actually has all the documents. These came from DOD whistleblowers. And so when all of these documents come out, the truth will be revealed. That'll happen in the court case. Uh, but really, if you just read that first paragraph, it kind of summarizes it very well, but we don't have all the information, so we can't really assume. I've seen the other ones. It does say it, but just keeping that there, is that when this court case in New York against Equal Health Alliance does come out, the discovery is going to be a bitch for the deep state. I promise you. Uh, this was reposted by Dan Scavino right here. The FDA in their virtual meeting yesterday were 
we were falsely misled by Pfizer about the safety of the vaccine. Heart attacks are 71 times higher than other vaccines. The vaccines are killing two people for every one life saved. Listen from the four hour and 20 minute mark. And that's it right there. Now the FDA wants to save its own neck by claiming to be misled, playing the victim when they are complicit in the crimes against humanity and medical fraud. The ship is sinking and the raps are jumping. And this was liked right there by Dan Scavino. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, we have Hollywood legend, and this is uh, shocks the, the the narrative handlers after admitting the truth about lockdowns on camera. Let's listen to this. Um, Tim this Robinson. was changed as well. We went into lockdown with healthy people, with children, and that didn't seem to be wise to me. So um, I'm not a scientist. I'm not uh, a doctor. I don't know the intricacies of, of uh, data on this. All I can respond to is as some, uh, someone that has is concerned about what the result of those doctrines, that policy had on us as human beings. And it's not good. We turned into um, tribal, angry, vengeful people. And I, I don't think that's something that is sustainable for the earth that we start demonizing people that don't agree with our particular health policies and turn them into monsters turn them into uh, pariahs um, say that they don't deserve a hospital bed uh, I think about you know people that have made bad mistakes in their lives where they take too many drugs and they overdose and that's totally their choice that's totally their <clears throat> responsibility yet so that's tim robbins there coming out with regret about the vaccine and pushing the vaccine and i think you're going to see a lot more as we move push forward that are going to be doing the exact same thing here they're going to come out about this and say that oops we made a mistake we're so sorry uh shocking cover-up of heart damage. CDC appears to have deleted 32,000 records of heart damage in the VAERS database. This is ahead of government DeSantis' investigation into myocarditis. Dr. Early leads the way. You can find this uh, by Dr. Naomi Wolf that was published on Twitter. I've retweeted this so you can find that out there. Uh, Pelosi has praised Zelensky compared his speech to uh, in Congress to Churchill. That was one of the finest speeches I've ever heard in the Congress. Uh, it was historic in that uh, he and Churchill are the only two wartime presidents who have come here to talk about asking our help and thanking us for our anticipated help to stop the tyranny in Europe. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. I'm going to go hammer Paul. You know, we got to get rid of these clowns. And... Dude, when does a shit show end? When does a shit show end? Seriously. Guys, I'm I'm in it with you. When does a shit show end? You know, this uh this Vladimir Zelensky, president of Let's listen to the speech. Some of it. Ukraine into the Vladimir Zelensky walked into the chamber of the US Congress to a standing ovation on Wednesday. The Ukrainian president was there to address a joint meeting of Senate and House lawmakers, hoping to persuade them to continue funding his country's defense against Russia. 
and he faced a critical audience, House Republicans who could hold up billions of dollars of war aid starting next month. Zelensky thanked Congress for their financial support, but stressed Ukraine would not be the only one to benefit. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. He pointed out... Yeah, of course it is, Zelensky. Um, you know, you're nothing but a, uh, a leather-dancing fraud, probably involved in everything else that's going on out there, but more shitty acting. Give that guy another Grammy or another Oscar, right? We gave that guy $100 billion and the motherfucker couldn't even buy a suit. All right. When you thought the world couldn't get any crazier, the FBI now claims the words of its own agents in tons of emails revealed by the Twitter files are conspiracy theories and disinformation. That, that's right. FBI statement on Twitter. It's unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. The agency discredited themselves with the release of the information of their own emails spying on American citizens. You know what that's called? That's gaslighting. That's exactly what that is. Americans are pissed right now. And it's not just Republicans. It's not just conservatives. It's everybody. I don't even want to listen to this. Uh, Boston children. Ugh. I would go deeper into topics, but they're just, they just piss me off. But let's just listen to this. Ending to urinate. Trying. A child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves. And parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids, they knew from the minute they were born practically. And actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings' clothing, uh, playing with the, quote, opposite gender toys, things. These people are fucking sick. Like that. There is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing recording that really in progress. are coming to the realization that they might recording be trans stopped. or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life. So what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So these people are sick. These, these people are sick. I, I don't know what else to say. These people are sick. And, and that's a doctor, and this doctor needs to be fired and have her medical license absolutely stripped. That's what needs to happen. Um, let me see here. There are some other things I wanted to really talk about when we ran out of time. Um, that's okay, though. You can join me tomorrow on the, Dale, uh, on the uh, Dark Delight show, and we, will, uh, we can discuss a lot more of the news and everything like that. Jim and I, Jim Price and I will be discussing Christmas, I think. And then tomorrow night, Conversations on the Fringe, we're going to have a talk about uh, maybe Christmas. I don't know because it's Christmas weekend. And if anybody wants to come in and join on that panel discussion, feel free. Just send me a message and we'll see about getting you on there. Um, as a reminder, thank you to everybody who donated tonight. I didn't get to see uh, it's just me solo, so I didn't get a list of anything. But uh, appreciate everybody on Rumble, D Live, and Pilled for all the donations. You guys are absolutely awesome. Much appreciated on that. Um, don't forget about Dr. Kirk Elliott if you want to go ahead and give him a call. 
obviously 720-605-3900. Tomorrow night, we'll also have Fringe After Dark. That'll be fun. Uh, I'm going to see if David Whitehead wants to join. I don't know. Maybe he's got some time. Uh, It is Christmas weekend, so I I have to respect people's time. But I'll see if he wants to join. Maybe we can have a discussion about Christmas and stuff. That'd be cool. Uh, But that'll be tomorrow night. And then me and Jim Price are talking about that in the morning. Um, And so if there is any breaking news, don't worry. We'll get it out to you. Uh, Tonight on the Zoom, there's always a Zoom after this on socialredpill.com. If you want to go ahead and join, you go to the events tab. There's a Zoom right there. I believe it's called Social Red Pill Zoom or Social Red Pill Chat. Um, I will probably jump in later. I'm not making cookies and I'm not doing anything fun tonight, so I'll probably have a few drinks and we can have some holiday cheer. I've been getting there a little late, so I typically get there like two hours after I tell you after the show and everybody's already gone, but uh, I'll try to get in there a little bit earlier tonight, but much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys all take care and we're going to see you guys tomorrow. Have a good day.